0: that is an issue that we've we have in our societies because we've allowed many of these sin taxes to continue and there are sin taxes that are always discussed on things like red meat and sugar salts this is the problem that comes with it is that the state therefore has an incentive for more people to buy more of these products so they can spend more so that we can have more tax money that goes into these categories Hello, world. Welcome to the Vaping Unplugged podcast. Everything you need to know about vaping
1: and tobacco harm reduction. Hello and welcome to Vaping Unplugged, the World Vapers Alliance podcast. I'm Michael and we have a very special guest today with us where I'm very happy. He's an old friend of mine as well. Uh, we have here with us Yel Ossowski from the Consumer Choice Center. Welcome to the show, Yel. Thank you very much for having me on, Michael. Maybe before we start, um, give us a little background about yourself and what you're doing and and why you're involved in the harm reduction world as well. Yeah,
0: indeed. Why am I there as an avatar on uh, vape Twitter or anywhere else? So yeah, my name is Yael. I've been doing consumer activism, the better part of about seven to eight years. So a lot of it focusing on how to improve the life of consumers who like cool stuff. And uh, that's kind of what I do every day at the Consumer Choice Center. I'm a deputy director. I've been essentially writing. My background is as a journalist, so doing a lot of writing, investigative stuff, uh, trying to put together, whether it be investigative pieces or opinion pieces, researching large topics, and now advocating for consumers, particularly millennial consumers, who like technological innovation, who like things like harm reduction, and who just want a choice. So I've been very busy in that space, focusing on a lot of different topics, but specifically, harm reduction is one that I've been focused on for, yeah, almost 10 years now, because it's, uh, it's a very big topic. I, it's very applicable to many different areas, not just vaping and other products, uh, but entirely different healthcare categories. It's something that is being embraced in some areas and, and kind of being cast aside in others, which I think is still very interesting. And uh, yeah, it's been uh, giving me a little bit of a fire uh, to look at this stuff both in the U.S., uh, but internationally, wherever it might be, because this stuff is a pretty much a a global fight.
1: Indeed, indeed. And we from WVA are very happy that you are so passionate about this issue because the Consumer Choice Center is an important partner organization of us. So also thank you for taking your time and supporting the WVA generally. Today, we are recording on a Tuesday after COP10 ended. Um, And you did a very interesting podcast, which was released last week, about the actually about COP and the FCTC. Um, Before we go into the specifics, maybe um, you can give us a little intro into the whole project. It's called Fun Police, um, talking about basically all the the enemies of fun um the first season already ended um but who is the fun police what is the the podcast about and why should um vapors listen in
0: I'll tell you who's not the fun police it's Bill vietz uh who's the sort of main brain behind this project uh, I know you've interviewed him on the podcast before uh, he's been doing a lot of great research on neo prohibitionism so the sort of temperance movement of the 21st century those that would like to deny you Uh, whatever options that might be, whether it be a drink, or a smoke, or a vape, uh, or video games, or (laughs) hamburgers, you know, there's a huge list of of groups out there, sugar, so basically the fun police that we look at are institutions, individuals, organizations, that are set up, or primarily fund efforts to try to restrict your choices. And it's all those things that I mentioned before, but we also see that there are international governmental bodies that are part of this, just as much as there are NGOs, there are activist groups, there are religious groups, there are all different strata of society that have for the goal some kind of prohibition of a product that you might like or you might enjoy. So throughout the podcast, we kind of go through episode by episode different actors in that space, the first season of Fun Police, which you can find on any uh, podcast app you might use. We focused a lot on obviously the World Health Organization, but also the United Nations generally. Uh, Organizations like Movendi uh, in Sweden that also have a huge impact on alcohol prohibition abroad. And just really try to go piece by piece as to what is the history of these organizations? How do they function? Where does the money come from? That's why I had my episode on Michael Bloomberg, who has likely been mentioned a good number of times on this podcast. And it's trying to understand exactly what his goal is or what the goal of those organizations are, where they put their money, and really how we as consumers can fight back. Uh, Vapors are right now really in the target line. There are all kinds of restrictions, regulations, bans that I know many people are dealing with that WVA is fighting against and that we're fighting against as well, because this impacts more than just the people who are in health bureaucracies, it impacts every consumer. So that is kind of the goal of the fund Police, give somebody a sort of narrative story behind this. And now we have season two, we kind of delve a bit deeper into it. And I wanted to do a bit uh, sort of a larger expose on the Framework Convention on Tobacco Control. FCTC, the nice little word salad alphabet soup organization that does impact the life of everybody, vapor and anyone who uses a nicotine alternative
1: product. Yeah, it's kind of the the shadow cop. Um, it 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 happened last week, but nobody knows about it. And the, the funny thing is, um, I see on Twitter all the FCTC official accounts where they where they claim oh, we made this groundbreaking decisions to combat smoking, blah, blah, blah. But you can't find what the actual decisions are, which is testament of the, of the lack of transparency um, at this whole, whole conference. Um, so there's no accountability, no transparency. We don't really know what's happening there. Um, I think you personally were at previous COPS. Um, so maybe you give us a little intro what COP is, what's happening there. Why do all these government bureau, bureaucrats go there?
0: So, yeah, that's a great uh, story to look into because uh, it is part of Fun Police uh, in your podcast player, which you can enter right now. And really, the FCTC, Framework Convention on Tobacco Control, is sort of a once in a lifetime thing. This is a global treaty organization that was set up by the World Health Assembly. It's basically a kind of council or parliament that is hosted within the World Health Organization. You have representations from every member country there. And they set up this organization that would be specifically about tobacco control, which is a very noble goal. There are many different organizations and institutions that do this across the world. They wanted to have some kind of global body that could provide rules, advice, and sort of be the one place where they could kind of disseminate this. They could debate things. That was the original intention when this was set up back in 2005, and how it's gone basically every two years whenever they have some of these COPs that they organize is normally hosted in a developing country. Uh, It's often been in Panama or India, or uh, sometimes because of COVID, they had to move it back to Switzerland. Uh, But really, the goal is to try to get members of the treaties to come together and discuss what should the rules be on tobacco control. And that's all well and good. There's a process, there are rules, there's a sort of governing constitution as it were. And there are various groups that are there to try to apply pressure so that some of these rules are passed more harshly or more leniently. So the past two cops that I went to, I went to the one in Geneva and I went to the one in New Delhi in India in 2016. And in 2016, the first one, I was there as a journalist, I was accredited, I was writing for an online media outlet. Uh, I was able to have you know, the badge, I was able to enter, I was there at the press conference and I was able to ask questions. And the first day I kind of went in there, I read over all of the summaries about what was happening, what the, the different proposals were gonna be, what the discussions were. And it was all a bit you know, gobbledygook, if I could use a correct scientific term. There's a lot of stuff about following up on whatever the restrictions are on, let's say, uh, some kind of advertising on tobacco products on billboards outside, right? That is a, a kind of proposal. But, you know, that's not what is necessarily discussed at the nation state level. It's not what most of our parliaments or governments are discussing. They're talking about the next level, next generation nicotine alternatives, vaping devices, nicotine pouches, even things like Snus, These are the things that people and consumers are actively buying, actively using, talking about, and a lot of rules are made up around this. So when I went there, uh, first off, it was basically just trying to ask questions about, well, what are the rules gonna be for these next generation products? And there's a lot of back and forth and debate, and I didn't really get a clear answer, but I kind of got the idea that they viewed your vape device, which contains no tobacco, as a tobacco product. And I think that is uh, probably the biggest error that the FCTC folks have. There's, you know, sort of, there are some delegations, some countries that do stick up for the rights of vapors. Uh, this year it just happened to be the Philippines, that uh, you could not have said the same, you know, two or four years ago when they were very opposed to any kind of next generation nicotine alternative products. But I could kind of see that. And I was only there for the first day because by the second day, they said that there were no more media allowed. Uh, Journalists had to be kicked out. Uh, On the episode of the podcast that we do, we interviewed Drew Johnson, who was also a journalist who was present. Uh, He had a bit more of a gall than me, and he he stood his ground. He stayed there at the conference, and he was dragged out by the Indian security guards. Uh, Basically, he wanted to stick up for freedom of the press, any kind of government transparency, and it just was not within the diktats of what FCTC provides. So uh, we, we go into Drew's story, uh, understanding a bit more about why he did that, what he kind of learned from it, and also kind of why it still motivates him. And he's actually running for Congress today in the United States. He might be your next congressman uh, out in Nevada, which would be really interesting to have someone who is a harm reduction advocate uh, kind of doing that. But that was sort of you know how I saw it in India. And then the next time I went was in Geneva. And this time I was obviously a bit more learned about the process. I had been to the previous one. I had been reading all the documents, following all the document portals and what different delegations were going to talk about. And this time we actually had the head of uh, DG Santé. Uh, that is like the director general of the European Union's sort of health policy uh, organization, government thing in the commission. And I asked her plainly, do you consider vaping devices that contain no tobacco as a tobacco product. She kind of went back and forth, and then basically just said, yes, we consider it a tobacco product, therefore, all the restrictions, all the things that we talk about here at this event, at this conference, apply. So that was it. They don't view any nuance between your Vaporesso or Elf Bar or whatever you might have that is a vaping product with a liquid in it that you heat up, they view that just as a tobacco product. Obviously, people who are former smokers know how erroneous that is. They've gone away from tobacco products. They've transitioned away from that. They've found a gateway so they could stop smoking. But in the eyes of this particular bureaucratic institution, they view it as exactly the same. And I think that's the nuance that's always lost. It's the biggest problem with FCTC. There's a lot of different bones I would pick about the organization and conference, and we can get into that. But that particular nuance in saying that every single vape device, no matter how far away it is from a tobacco leaf, it is a tobacco product. Therefore, the restrictions, the regulations, the bans, the taxes, all of that should apply to that vape device that you have in your hand or in your car holder of your car. I think that's rather unfortunate. And hopefully there are more groups that will pay attention to this, other media institutions and organizations, because it really is an outrage. And, um, you know, it's something that should impact many more people. Unfortunately, as you said, uh, it's kind of a, a bore of a conference, so it's not really uh, top of the New York Times headline.
1: Yeah, unfortunately not. Um, and we have seen basically the same thing with the current COP in Panama, where where the F- FCTC proposals were, I don't know, banning open system, equating vaping with smoking, banning flavors, so the usual menu of, of the fun police, basically. Um, but on the other hand, in the original F- FCTC treaty, there is a clear reference to harm reduction. So there is some kind of, of shift of point of view or, or or dealing with those kind of products. And where do you think did this, this shift come from? Why is the FCTC and the, the members there so hostile against harm reduction? Is it as simple as Michael Bloomberg or are there other reasons behind it?
0: I think Bloomberg's a part of it. Really, it has to do with, and, and I mentioned the conference and the official proceedings, and you have member badges, and there are people with paddles who vote on those various proposals. But sort of the bigger sort of active force is a lot of these non governmental organizations. These are your nonprofit groups that are there to propagate the message of FCTC. These are many of them funded by Michael Bloomberg. Uh, They are the Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids, the Framework Convention Alliance, uh, various cancer societies. Uh, You have the International Association Against Tuberculosis and Lung Disease. And you have a lot of these kind of small pockets of NGOs that are not only embraced at the conference, but they're given voting power. They have paddles where they can actually vote on proposals. So if someone in Brazil, let's say, puts up something to ban open systems for vaping devices, you can have the organization, uh, you know, maybe it's Movendi, which was covered in uh, season one of Fund Police. They can raise their paddle and they can vote in favor of that proposal, meaning that you are going to have less freedom and less less rights because a Michael Bloomberg-funded organization group was able to hold up a paddle while you weren't, and that's just not, you know, it's not just anti-democratic, you know, it's it's something to where you're take, you're having your agency taken away. So that's a big agenda there. There's a lot of calling out um, in, you know, episode two of Fun Police, I try to call out on on Twitter and X, there are a lot of these groups around FCTC who were, you know, saying that, let's say, the country of Malawi, you know, has a dirty ashtray, or China always has a dirty ashtray. This is this is kind of award that they give because they say they are promoting tobacco uh, industry talking points, something like this. You know, there's a lot of countries there that own their own tobacco companies that are state-owned and they have various interests, but then there are just countries like the Philippines that I mentioned before, who legit just went there and promoted harm reduction and they got called all the worst names in the book. I think the the entire idea of harm reduction is in the scientific literature not as not something that's controversial at all. It's only a controversy with the activist groups in tobacco control who've absolutely taken control of this narrative. They've taken it away from the road of science, and it's one of politics. And it's unfortunate because there are millions of lives that could be saved tomorrow. And that's something the UN trumpets all the time, they just don't understand. We have kind of got the the latest figures showing that globally, the number of global smokers is down, uh, sort of for the first time ever. You know, it's not because of uh, FCTC programs, you know, in rural African nations or in Asia or something like this. It's legitimately because of market innovations like vaping. And they're never going to admit to that. There's an entire industry around the fact that we cannot admit it, that we surely can't embrace it. And I think that's the saddest fact. So why do they continue to deny harm reduction? There's a business model. And the business model is continue to deny that these other options work make it so that only we have the answers and for people who smoke and would like to quit uh yeah abstinence is your only goal we're kind of back to the uh, george bush era uh, sex abstinence rules you know it's it's basically you need to refrain and that's it even though the market has provided all these other options that are much better for you um, can come in flavors that actually would make them enjoyable to you but that is not The goal of the FCTC is to try to shut all of that down, equate all of the products equally. And unfortunately that means reducing the options that you have to try to quit or use any of these other products.
1: Yeah, and I think it's also especially for these NGOs to justify their own existence, because uh, in Sweden, nobody needs a tobacco control group anymore, because nobody is smoking anymore, or almost nobody, they're literally smoke-free.
0: I'll give you an example, example, Michael, and this one just, uh, this one really bothers me. So I'm originally from Canada. Canada was uh, one of the founding organizations there at the Framework Convention on Tobacco Control. There are a good number of Canadians who are there. Uh, Many Canadians have been a part of sort of the upper echelons and things. So the Canadian Cancer Society, uh, they do very important things, you know, around cancer research. Well, all of a sudden, they uh, propped up a campaign against nicotine pouches. And nicotine pouches, for those not in the know, are small little nicotine sachets, little packets that have flavoring and nicotine. That is literally it. And these are sold in tins that are similar to snus contain no tobacco and are sold across canada and the canadian cancer society mounted up this huge campaign saying that we need to get this out of the hands of kids again not talking about the adults not talking about former smokers or smokers who would like to quit and they actually convinced using these kind of arguments that are way out the scope of cancer because by the way nicotine pouches when you compare them to cigarettes uh, you kind of guess which is the more cancerous and carcinogenic uh, you know, product category. They convinced the government of British Columbia, one of the provinces of Canada, to restrict it so that you could only get nicotine pouches no longer at the gas station or the convenience store, uh, sort of when you're filling up your car. You can only get it from a licensed pharmacy, meaning they're putting up restrictions so that you can get the product tomorrow that you used to get yesterday. They say it's about kids and... Uh, You know, not allowing kids to get it, but you already have a solution. You just age gate it. You require carding, you know, require them to be 18 or 21, whatever it is in that country. And cigarettes
1: are still available at the gas station, I assume. And
0: cigarettes are still available. And, um, you know, Canada, it's different per province, but some it's 18, some it's 19, some it's 21. And you can just instill that process. We do the same thing for alcohol. And, you know, it's, it's different across provinces, but there's a system that exists for doing that. Now, this was all pushed by the Canadian Cancer Society. A nicotine pouch, if someone is a smoker, puts down the cigarette forever, picks up pouches, their chance for cancer from that nicotine pouch is next to nothing. It is nil. There's zero research that points that there is any cancer risk from nicotine pouches themselves. The Canadian Cancer Society put money, put their lobbying efforts behind a proposal to make it harder for adults to access these pouches. It's a tiny micro example of what is happening around the world and the globe. Many of the Asian countries, I've heard this on, on your podcast as well, many of the Asian countries just kind of hear what's happening in FCTC and they're against these next level nicotine products. So they just ban them outright. Now, that's why you have total bans in places like uh, Thailand or some of the other countries. They just want to follow the FCTC guidelines. They just want to be sure that, yeah, they're in the know. But then the latter part of that is they do get funding uh, from the fctc if they follow through with this and that's a that's a whole other can of worms
1: yeah i think that's also one of the reasons why nobody really. Uh, pays attention what's happening at FCTC F- T- because it's more about the soft power they have and this soft power is not as strong in Europe or in North America but especially in Asia um, they are, their soft power is very strong and then we end up with this bands and what is always baffling to me is like I'm, I'm not a fan of bands for anything but they, if, you, if you would ask this tobacco control people, would you like to ban cigarettes or would you rather ban uh, vaping? I'm pretty sure a lot of them would say, let's ban vaping or pouches or something like that. And I still don't understand why that is. Is that just a self-interest? Is it lack of information? Where, where does this hostility come from?
0: So my theory that I've tested out and I think has, has proven true as I've testified on some of the restrictions on vaping at the state level in the United States, the way that many of our taxation systems works, unfortunately, it's, a, it's an economic calculation, basically, <laughs> how the, the taxation system works is that governments know that they're going to get X amount of billions of dollars or euros in tobacco taxes every year, and they depend on that. And in many different U.S. states, they are so dependent upon tobacco taxes that that's how they've structured their entire state healthcare systems is around the amount of money they bring in from tobacco. And if you look at the numbers, less tobacco is being sold every year, less people are buying cigarettes, they're switching to these alternatives, and those alternatives are not taxed as highly. Therefore, tax revenue is declining, specifically when it comes to tobacco products. Now... North America tends to have, you know, sort of more favorable tax rates, but tax rates in places like Australia are insane. And they saw a huge decline, you know, and Australia is a special case now because they kind of have this pharmacy model of of vaping, but you know, that Australia's a whole whole other calculation. <laughs> but I do think it comes down to the taxation. And in many of these different Asian countries as well, and in some of the African nations, the taxes are so high on tobacco that it does fund, you know, entire departments of your government you know, in some particular country could represent, you know, anywhere between 10 to 15 to maybe even 20% of your budget, just on the fact that people buy cigarettes and then you as the government, as the state, get a cut of that. I think it's an unfortunate reality, because that is something to where the government has an interest in making cigarettes more available to people. And that is an issue that we have in our societies because we've allowed many of these sin taxes to continue. And there are syntaxes that are always discussed on things like red meat and sugar, salts. This is the problem that comes with it, is that the state therefore has an incentive for more people to buy more of these products so they can spend more, so that we can have more tax money that goes into these categories. I've seen this firsthand in states like Maine and Vermont, where they just have it in their budget that says, this is how much we have some tobacco taxes and it funds all our health stuff. You know but I can only imagine on a country level what that means. And it's really sinister and it's really bad because these market alternatives come up that aren't tobacco, that aren't subject to the same taxation, and that means that the state is losing money. That's not an argument, however, for you know putting the same tax level. We just need to find a better way to fund our governments that is not dependent upon the products that we buy or
1: use or consume. and the- Especially not on the worst ones to to consume. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it, a hard one. <laughs> and as it looks like now, r- right now, the in Panama they couldn't even decide on where the next COP will be, which is supposed to happen next year. So we don't know where where this 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 whole process will will be next year again. Um, but let's maybe end on a more positive note. No matter where it will be happen, but if we meet again in one year at at cop 11 or after cop 11 what do you think can and should regular consumers do to change this this course and and on the obviously as we say there is not much direct influence unfortunately what citizens have on the fctc but in general what what should we do what can we do how can we raise our voices so that we change this this negative course
0: Well, I think it's being present and providing an alternative and you know many of these delegations that show up at these things they've never seen a vape device they have no idea what it is and when we were in India vaping is banned there you had a lot of the guys who were in the hotel that we were staying at who were just fascinated and they're like oh man where can I get this and they they essentially wanted to sell the products themselves and I had to tell them sorry (laughs) boys uh that's definitely legal here (laughs) but (laughs) I I think having Groups of people, vapors out there who are public, who are present. I mean, it was great to see there, that there were a lot of great vaping activists who were there in Panama, who were taking part in conferences, you know, who are just doing social media around the city, or doing interviews. That's what they need. You know, we just need to show the alternative perspective of people who actually use these products and have used these products for the better. And that is something that these delegations just don't know, don't understand, they're not exposed to. And in many cases, they have an incentive to look away when those groups come up. These are passionate consumers who use these products, who know the flavor that they love or the product that they like, or you know, they're upset when the newest vape comes out and they remove the charging port on a certain thing. You know, This is a passionate group of people, and that's the passion that we have to show to many of these regulators. And it really comes down to your own country, to your own level. You know, we all have different mechanisms for trying to influence some of our governments, particularly at the local level, but we need to just look at the champs. Who are the champions who are advocating for harm reduction? Who are the champions who are advocating for these next generation, next level nicotine alternatives? If we can find those, then hitch your wagon to them and be loud and proud, don't apologize. You represent you, you represent the future. And I'm very positive about that. I have been for many years. We're on the side of technological and societal and progress in health. So I think we're on the right side. There are many millions of people who are on the right side it's really just going to be a long battle to convince those who are on the wrong side or who are being paid money to kind of look away they can become convinced as well because this is how we'll allow people to live longer it's how we'll allow people to choose better products a more diverse set of products So stay active you know whether you're on vape twitter or vape instagram or you work at a vape shop or you know you're sort of out and about doing as much uh, sort of uh, profitization of vaping as you can do in your own community, you know, that's something that you can do. And you can have an impact today. It doesn't have to be on the grand scale of an international shadowy conference. It can be right there in your hometown. And I think that's what's so great about persuasion and what's so good about the harm reduction message.
1: Sometimes it's just I did that yesterday when I visit my doctor and he asked me, are you smoking? And I said, no, I'm vaping. And then obviously you had the, the usual conversation. Oh, it's as bad, blah, blah, blah. Um, and sent him some studies. So we'll see if if I changed at least one one important mind in my community. Um, but with that, yeah, thank you so much for, for joining us, taking up some time for, uh, from your busy schedule. Um, I hope we will have you back soon and take care and all the best to you. Thank you, Michael. Vape on. So that's it. I hope you liked this episode and we could shed some light on the intransparency of the cop proceedings which just happened and i really recommend you to listen to the fun police podcast Yale mentioned he's a big part of it and it's about all the prohibitionist organizations around the world and if you want to learn more about them look it up uh, on every on every channel where you get your podcast it's called fun police the episode specifically we talked about is from season 2 episode 2 about the FCTC cop um, have a listen really good and see you soon